0: Happy evening before church. Very excited to go to church. I love the pastor uh, that's preaching. Um, He's preaching uh, about Peter, and uh, he's a great musician, really um, wonderful with words. And um, I always, you know, Jesus is first for me, but I always have to appreciate someone who's been gifted by God to really um, expound the Word of God, really explain the Word of God in such a nice, clear, and simple way. So I always admire that. And this is the Tomorrow Christian Today. We are going to read 2 Peter 2 in the NLT. Before I do, um, I'm amazed, you know, when I... I said I wouldn't talk about aquariums anymore, but, you know, when I was younger, I would go and buy fish and set up the aquarium. I had a new idea about the nitrogen cycle. And now I see that people have all these plants. They're putting plants into the aquariums, like house plants, to try to suck up the nitrates. And one plant that seems to be quite a bit is pothos. P-O-T-H-O-S, that's a pothos plant. And if you wanna propagate it, you're supposed to, it has certain little nodes um, on its, I I don't know if it's, the the plant grows, there's certain nodes on the stem. So when you wanna clip away some of the plant and stick it into the water to try to grow it, you don't cut on the node, you cut, halfway between the nodes and then that part you stick into the water because if you get the leaves wet they go brown and they go they go brown and they die and they wither and then the node is the one where the roots come from so if you cut on the node then the plant won't grow because the roots won't come out if you cut the node but if you cut halfway between the node it's the node itself that actually spews out the roots and i say that because now I see on YouTube, there's this this girl. Uh, she just, it happened, her video happened to come into my feed. And she just loves plants. And I'm thinking, this is amazing how people are, you know, in the aquarium hobby and also in life. She has doesn't have aquariums, but she loves plants. And I'm thinking, you know, people have certain hobbies. They have certain things that they gravitate towards. But like plants, it's about life and synergy. And then people are trying to get their aquariums not just to have water in a box but to actually create some kind of a cycle something something natural something that has a relationship something that is like symbiotic you know so like say if you have a she has a lot of plants in her house so these plants are are using up carbon dioxide and giving out oxygen and as a human being she's breathing in oxygen and giving out carbon dioxide and i mean she has a lot of plants in her house so it's like there's a symbiosis there and it's amazing how trying to figure out these different house plants that you could sort of um meld with aquariums i can't remember all these names at all she can remember all the names Pothos is the only one that i can is the only one that i can remember now stuck in my mind so i guess i was looking at plant videos and trying to understand these different plants the different names the shape of the leaf and trying to remember it and i'm terrible at this And then somehow her video came into my youtube feed but it's amazing how this synergy you know people are noticing that life is a synergy it's a relationship you know things are not just isolated you know charles um darwin he believed that everything evolved not that's fine he's allowed his opinion but when he did that you know the cell was not well known and now we look at the cell And the cell has all these different organelles in it, the mitochondria, the ribosomes, the endoplasmic reticulum. It has the DNA inside the nucleus. Then it has the RNA that comes out. And then the RNA is the ribosomes go along the RNA. So there's translation. Let me think about this. There's transcription from DNA to messenger RNA. And there's messenger RNA, which is transcribed by the ribosomes and they produce amino, um, a string of amino acids, and then there's different, there's different sequences of the amino acids, so the primary sequence, and then there's, ter- there's secondary folding where certain, certain sequences kind of have these ionic bonds and the protein molecule or macromolecule starts to fold over itself. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of synergy in the, in the world. There's a lot of synergy in nature, and that the source of that is God. And I think as we try to get more knowledge, we, knowledge shall be increased and many shall run to and fro, that people gain more knowledge about the world. And you have to say, it's amazing all these principles. It's amazing how the fish give their poop and their ammonia to the bacteria in the tank, and then the, the bacteria in the tank break it down to nitrates, and then the plants suck up the nitrates and then give back oxygen to the fish so there's a synergy there's a system there's something going there's a there's a cycle of life and and death and god has sort of arranged all this to keep everything moving and going and growing and that's the god we serve and i think that when we try to see him through other domains like science and psychology and emotional and the physical right you know, like if you, you eat garbage food, you'll be like garbage, right? The mainframe is garbage, when it talks about data, garbage in, garbage out. So, the same thing, if you eat bad food, you'll feel like trash, trash. You'll feel terrible. And God was given the Israelites principles, which we say are in the Old Covenant, but He still told us in the New Covenant to steward our bodies. Everything is a cycle. And it's wise to listen to god since he created that cycle he's the he's the author of the cycle of life let's pray dear what i've rambled on too much as usual but i always have to have my say my spiel i want to read your word please give us some ideas as you did before in genesis give us some ideas about what we're about to read there's a warning here in second peter chapter 2 And we need to take it serious, and we need to be able to discern right from wrong, good from evil, and the truth, people who are speaking truth versus people who look like they're speaking truth, but they're speaking evil. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. It says here, there's a warning, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there'll be false teachers among you. So I remember hearing somebody saying there's a lot of false teachers in the New Testament, a lot of warnings. And there's, there's, there's uh, warnings against false prophets too. In Deuteronomy 18, Moses said a true prophet is coming um, to speak to you um, that God's going to teach. But then he says, if a prophet says something that doesn't come to pass, don't be afraid of that prophet. And so I came out of a church that had somebody speaking to people and saying all these things. And she's false. She's an antichrist. And I, I told the people, I told the people in the family... And they didn't want to hear it like it's because these people who are speaking these things, these lies, these, these people who somehow are elevated by man, they're either deceived or they're malevolent with evil. I think this woman kind of self-deceived herself, but the thing is she's so convincing that she's catalyzed people to follow her. Today my dad went to the church and he said, they're not reading from the word of God. It's sitting there on the bench. They're reading from her books. And I said to him, why don't you run away? Why, why are you there? Like I, I was thinking to myself, dad, you know what I've said to you. You know what my battle has been like. Why, why are you going to that other church on the Sabbath, on Saturday? And why are you going and listening? to when, I, when you know what's happened in my life, you know what I've been through. And I've told you, you shouldn't go there. I don't want to tell people what to do. I don't tell people what to do. I don't tell adults what to do. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. But I was thinking later, uh, as I was replaying um, the conversation with my dad, why don't you just go to the Christian church? Like, I just headed to the Baptist church. Because as far as I'm concerned, oh, they worship on Sunday. It's, it's not the right day. You're supposed to go to church on sa- on Saturday, on the Sabbath. But that's, that's that's not what's said in the New Testament. There's nothing about a day or a diet in the New Testament. That's between you and God. Romans fourteen says that is between you and God. You can respect your brother, your your fellow Christian, but you don't ha- um you know you should respect his diet if he wants to eat vegetables. Don't let him eat vegetables and don't make him feel bad about that. Um, but you know your day and your diet is between you and God. But I was thinking, why, why is my dad doing this when I told him not to go there anymore? Just go to the church on Sunday. Just go, you know, to the Baptist church. I didn't know what else to do five years ago. So I just, I went to the Baptist church and I've never left. To me, that was, they were just talking about Jesus. It wasn't Jesus and somebody else. Right? And I really don't know. I guess it's really hard to let go of something you've been doing your whole life, even when you know it's wrong. My dad is 94, and he's definitely my ally. But since he's been going to that church, um, you know, most of his life, when he met my mother, um, I guess it's hard for him to think of anything else as a home church. But he knows that church is teaching wrong things. If you're going to read somebody else's books, but the Bible's gathering dust, and you're reading from this lady who you think is a prophet, but she's not a prophet. The prophets came to an end. I can't understand. They will clearly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who, brought, who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. I don't think this lady who was a false prophet, I don't think she was immoral. You know, she had a husband, they had four kids, two kids died, the oldest and the youngest and you know i i I wasn't planning to read that but um i want to read this verse to you and i think i've read it before but when i read that i was deeply afraid her oldest son and her youngest son died she had four children and the two of them died and this is what i remember reading joshua laid an oath josh um joshua 6 26 joshua laid an oath on them at that time saying cursed Before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds the city Jericho. Well, she didn't build the city Jericho, but she's rebuilding the foundations that God said to walk away from. God said, go to the new covenant. Jesus said, I am the new covenant. This lady says, no, we have to come back under the old covenant, including the Sabbath keeping thing. At the cost of his firstborn, shall he lay its foundation. The cost of its firstborn. Her firstborn died. And at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates her youngest died when i read this i went you gotta be kidding me i'm getting out of this church and i remember when i went to the church in newmarket and i told them who i was a lot of people i think a lot of people didn't really know the bible that well like i don't really know how much other people read the bible sometimes but this is what i was told read the book of galatians and this is what I read in Galatians. Galatians 1, to 6-9. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. I guess that's Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the God who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that the, there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one as we preach to you, let him be accursed. When I read that word accursed, I got doubly scared. So this lady who's all godly, who's all this and writing all these books, is she truly an antichrist? I mean, one part of me said, can't be. The other part has said, you know it. You know you don't, you know she's not right. Yeah, but she's so tiny and small and she says all these things and she says, Christ this and Christ that, Christ this. She's an antichrist. She wrote books and she controlled people And she took people's eyes off Jesus and the new covenant and grace and put them on the old covenant and Sabbath keeping and herself. Why would you go to a church and read this lady's books and the Bible's gathering dust? Now that is really evil and demonic and antichrist. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received. Let him be accursed. If somebody is accursed, get away from them. Run away from them. Don't try to save them. Don't talk to them. Run away. You can pray for them. That's what I do. I pray for my, I pray for my uh, family members. I pray for my spouse. You can't talk to them anymore. Don't, don't bother. They don't want to hear it. You don't have to hate them. God says you can't force Jesus on anybody. You can accept him for yourself and then get away from the false prophet and pray for the people who are still back there. Maybe they will wake up one day. God did not spare verse 4. Even the angels who sinned, he threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. So there's judgment coming for this. There's judgment coming for people who take the gospel and twist it up and make people put their eyes on them. There's judgment coming from them. Will they know? Will they honestly think they were doing right? And yet somehow judge judgment on them and they're shocked. (gasps) I thought I was, I was, I, I, I thought I was working for you. You were working for me. You were working for yourself. Jesus says, depart from me. Those who work iniquity. I never knew you. That is a weird thing for Jesus to say. I don't know you Okay. If Jesus says, I don't know you. You're in big trouble that that that's because because Jesus says i don't know you then god says you don't know him no nope. well then i don't know him either except for noah and seven others in his family so it sounds like god is ruthless but he did give them 120 years you know, I was looking at some dinosaur videos, some foolish dinosaur videos I did on Instagram and all these dinosaurs, you know, it shows them, you know, in the old days and they're by the sea and they're all walking around in the sea, you know, they're big giant reptiles. And I'm sure that they're, I'm sure when God first created the world, I, I think, that I think that everything was just bigger. They find these dragonflies and these flies inside these amber, fossilized amber and everything is just bigger. You know what I mean? They say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Bigger. You know, when you're big, they give you respect. But... I'm wondering if all these animals were at the sea. Maybe that's why Noah's. Uh, you know, Noah said, "Okay, I'm gonna build a boat. I'll just head down to the sea and build it there." God says, "Nope, don't do that. Stay where you are. Just build it here." Maybe there was a whole pack of dinosaurs that ripped ripped up Noah apart. I know people will say, "Well, there were no dinosaurs with people." Okay, I don't know. They never found the people skeletons, so I really can't say. I really don't know, to be honest. Really don't know so god protected noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood later god condemned the cities of sodom and gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes he made them all examples of what will happen to ungodly people it's not going to be pretty revelation 20 um verses 8 and 10 it's not going to be pretty there's going to be fire there's going to be pain some people believe in eternal conscious torment some people believe in annihilationism i might as well say that i think god consumes them I've seen the word consume in the Bible, and I just have a hard time believing that God tortures people. How do you, how do you get tortured when you don't have a body? How do you get tortured when you don't have pachinian corpuscles? You don't have Meisner's corpuscles? How do you feel pain? Pain goes through receptors, and those receptors head to your brain. You don't have a brain. You don't have a body. So that's just me. I don't really know. It says eternal fire and torment and stuff in Revelation. I really don't know. So I'm just gonna say, does it really matter what the hermeneutics are? Maybe for some people they're gonna say, hey, I don't wanna listen to you anymore. You're you're saying wrong things, you're teaching wrong things. I'm not teaching wrong things. The gospel is about relationships, not information. Love God and love others. Those are Jesus' commandments. Not trying to figure out if it's annihilationism or eternal conscious torment or Trinitarian or Binitarian or Biblical Unitarian or Oneness Pentecostal or anything else, that's not the gospel. The gospel is relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of our sins through his death on the cross and God giving us forgiveness when we mess up. God, verse 7, rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. Yes, maybe God, maybe my trials won't stop, but I'll change. I pray to God that my my situation changes and my trials go away, but maybe they won't, but I will change. And when I change, the trials can't hurt me that much. And then I am rescued from them. I will change, God is changing me. I like him to change the external, but he's changing the internal. God uses evil and wickedness to chisel us. I would like to be godly. Verse 9, 10. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. A lot of rebellion in the world. They, t- they tell you, just be what you want to be. Don't listen to authority. Okay. If you listen to authority, you're a sheeple. Well, I, you know, I, I want to I, I think for myself, but I don't want to be a rebel without a cause. Are a rebel without a brain because when you're rebellious well, you just destroy things what are you going to destroy things for you know people you know I read a I read a horror story and the guy says you don't blank where you eat why are you going to destroy your own home I see people destroying and going on a rampage and rioting and burning down their own city where they live for what purpose what are you trying to do with that like, do you care so little about your home and your city and you have no respect um, for anything or anybody, but you burn down your place, you burn down a bunch of shopping malls, you burn down something because somebody's done you some some bad thing? It's not, it's not a good way to live. People despise authority, you can't do nothing with them. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much a trembling as trembling but the angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring um, do not dare to bring from the lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings don't quite understand this verse because my mind was thinking about what my friend said he said about certain people he said they don't care they're not scared of god the devil or demons <laughs> and he's not even religious people are not they have no fear or respect it's said, even the angels veil their face from God uh, because God is so much, so holy. We've lost respect. We've lost respect for each other and we've lost respect for God. People care more about their dogs and their cats and their shrimp and their fish rather than God. And when you lose respect for God, you lose the love and peace in your heart And then you lose respect for your fellow man. They scoff at things they do not understand. And like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. I guess this is talking about false prophets. Or it's talking about people who are just not God-fearers. Is that what it's talking about? I've kind of lost track. But it says what happens to ungodly people. A guy called me up uh, from the other church, actually he didn't, he emailed me, and it was a wonderful conversation. And he was talking about Jesus zealots that would agree with me in the church, and I'm thinking, well, why are you there? If, If you love Jesus and you read the Bible, why are you in a church that promotes a lie? So, I don't really know what he was trying to say, but I'm just kind of scared of people who sort of say one thing, but they actually something else because you never know if you are going to call yourself a Christian but you're going to be reading as top priority from somebody else's book instead of reading about Jesus in the Bible what does that say you're not you're saying one thing but you're doing something else and if you have space in your head for that other prophet that other quote prophet unquote And you can't out loud admit that you are wrong. You know, your pride and ego is gonna destroy you because you cannot admit that you are wrong. Whether you were trained wrong or whether you continue to believe something that's wrong when you've been told that it's wrong and you're trying to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So I'm scared of the dude. I wasn't gonna go to coffee with him at all. I was happy, we had many happy memories. Um, I really liked, um, I really thought he was a nice person, but I don't feel that I have to go and talk to everybody about religion and theology. You need to work it out with God. What I'm doing here is for fun and for, because I want to read the Bible. I want to grow. I don't want to be just protecting a bunch of beliefs that I learned when I was six. I want to grow. I want to be trainable and teachable and meek and humble because meek people grow. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the tight right road and follow the sons of Balaam, son of Beor, who love to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. God was speaking to Balaam. I mean, I haven't read this for a while, but maybe we will read it again. But God was speaking to him. But somehow he just kept on going with the other people, just kept on going with that other plan. It was like God was working with this man, or this man had some kind of connection with him. But instead of progressing with God, he just kind of kept on backpedaling. Sort of like Saul, the first king, you know. Instead of listening to God, he just kept on backpedaling and, and, you know, being two-faced. And sort of going back to his own way of thinking it said verse 17 these people are as useless as dried up springs or mist blown away by the sand well i tell you i don't know how peter got so creative with words you know i mean this is obviously a translation of what he said but peter is very very creative with words so the holy spirit is really using words and and telling us how terrible it is for these false teachers to be there and how they're twisting people and people are allowing themselves to be twisted. Read the Bible. That's the standard, the word of God. Don't say the Bible and read somebody else's stuff. You know, there was a minister on a on, uh, video and maybe this is not, maybe this is gonna come out wrong, but he said, you know, he said, I'm talking to all these people who are counseling people and he, and he said, you know what I tell them to do? I tell them to throw away all their books and read the word of god and counsel people from the word of god throw away all the other other books throw away all the other christian books put them aside put them down and read the word of god we don't want to collapse the um christian business of selling christian books better than reading non-christian books what's the point of reading non-christian what's the point of reading other people's versions of Jesus when God wrote the Bible. Read the Bible first. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. Wow, there's just a lot of condemnation here. I guess false prophets are cursed. I don't know if they know they're false or they just they're or maybe they have mental problems, because I think this lady that I'm talking about all the time that I'm fixated on, because I was in that church, she had mental problems. She got hit in the head with a rock. She had anxiety problems. Okay, we don't have to you know be mean and condemn somebody because their brain doesn't work in a certain way or doesn't quote work in the quote norm unquote way. We don't have to be mean about it. We don't have to heckle them or, or demean them or hum That's not, but neither should we allow them to lead us. I think a lot of witches got burned in Salem and they just had mental problems. You know, people thought, well, this person is speaking for the devil. Maybe the person just, they had, they had issues. Their brain wasn't fired right, wasn't firing right. It's a world of sin. Sin, sin messes up how people process information but whether, whether a person is speaking evil or wrongness because of their well-meaning or because they're malevolent, but if they're well-meaning, it doesn't matter. Listen, read the word of God. Jesus is in the word of God. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption for you are a slave to whatever controls you. There's a lot of shenanigans going on in the Christian church. I think sometimes you'll have a pastor, a man, and he means the best, and then he's counseling a woman, I don't know what her status is and because this is kind of this hasn't happened in my church but I can imagine that a pastor is counseling somebody and there's no woman elder or no woman in the room with the pastor counseling the other person and then things start getting shared and before you know it somebody's having an affair for whatever reason it didn't start out that way. But there was too much sharing going on. I remember this because a man was preaching, and he's saying, you know, if you want to if you're you're married, you know, and you want to go on break with one of your coworkers, your coworker is a man, you know, once or twice, but if you keep on doing it all the time, what are you saying? What are you sharing? He said, that's dangerous because then then one spot one person who's in another marriage is now sharing intimate details of their life, whatever that may be, with somebody else who they are not married to but could be attracted to and then bad things happen and everybody's reputation gets blown. He said, don't do that. So it's not me talk; It's not me telling you uh, what to do. It's a pastor saying this in a sermon, which I happen to remember. So things get out of whack. You know, don't set yourself up for a fall. You're counseling somebody. You're counseling a member of the opposite sex for whatever reason, you should have a woman elder or 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 or, you know in sitting in the room with you so she can see what you're saying and she is a check and a balance to that conversation you're having with somebody else of the opposite sex if you are put, put in a position of counseling or you're put in a position of ministry because you do something like that your reputation is blown you can seek forgiveness but you could lose your marriage And you'll always have that hanging over your head. Always. Verse 20, And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. That's what sin does. It's like a cobweb. It entangles you. It may start out with the best of intentions, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and then just things go off the rails. And you just get involved. Something just happened. You say, I didn't want that to happen. How did that happen? Because sin is like Murphy's Law. If things can go wrong, they will go wrong. So never put yourself in a dangerous position where your reputation and or your marriage is going to get trashed. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Wow. So you know something, you know something and you don't follow it. it it's it's not going to go well. You know I remember I remember Jesus saying something like this to the Pharisees. I think it was he said it this. He said Jesus says John 9:39. Jesus said, "For judgment I came into this world, and those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind." Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and they said to him, "Are we also blind?" So Jesus is telling them things, and these guys are fighting him um, tooth and nail. They're not buying anything, he says. Then Jesus says this, and finally he says, Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. You would be without sin. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'll tell you what I think it means, but like I said, I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. I think it means that you can't plead ignorance your whole life. You can say, I grew up in something or I did something was wrong. I was ignorant. I knew no better. I felt bad about it, but I didn't know how to get out of it. And then truth comes to you. Jesus makes himself known to you or you find out that you grew up in a church and they were teaching you wrong things. And God winks at your ignorance because you didn't know any better. But now you know. Now, you know, you have been clearly shown or told your conscience has gone blip. You've had a little epiphany and then to turn aside and keep on doing what you're doing, no more, there's no more excuse you have been shown. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. And I think that's what it's also saying here too, because it's saying that if you get tangled up, you keep on going down the mess that you know, down the road, you know, is a mess. it's going to be really not good for you. Not a good outcome. Just back right up. Just back right up and get right back on the narrow path. It's okay. You may take some flack. You may lose some friends. You might even lose a marriage, I'm sorry to say. It's it's not a pretty thing to say that. I, I don't say it with any joy or happiness, believe me. I would never wish that on anybody. I I know a pastor who said, you know, he got divorced and he said it was like getting hit by a car. It was an absolute train wreck. That's what he told me. It's not easy for men either. Men have to suck it up and bear it. Men have feelings too. Men get depressed. Men cry some tears. But we'll never admit it. Verse 21, it'd be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and to reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Verse 22, they proved the truth of this proverb, a dog returns to its vomit, and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. That sounds like two animals, but it sounds like something that has not had a heart transformation. Jesus says in John 3, you don't know where the spirit is or where it comes from or where it goes. He says, you can't know these things unless you are born again. Unless you are born again, you will return to the vomit and the mud. But he says, when you're born again, you will not return to those things. They no longer feed you. Jesus said, you will never be thirsty from the living water that I give you, which is myself. And Peter said, where are we going to go, Lord? You've got the words of life. I can't go back. Go forward. I've talked too much. Y'all take care.